0: The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy Book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Uh, My name is Joy Livingston. I'm standing in for Stevie Kim. And uh, this is the show where we have our ambassadors and wine lovers all over the world choosing their favorite producer and um, conducting an interview. And it is actually our most popular show. It gets posted onto the Italian Wine Podcast site and it becomes very, very popular. So it's our most popular show. So we absolutely love it. And we appreciate everyone who takes part, of course. So I am going to, uh, so Joan Harnish, who uh, I will introduce you in just a second, but uh, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be interviewing uh, Caterina Chiarini-Sartarelli. <laughs> sorry, I'm very sorry <laughs> if I got that wrong. That's how I say um, it
1: too. You got it right.
0: And it's I from know. the Sartarelli Winery. Um, and um, so, Joan, you are uh, from San Francisco. I think we did this last time. <laughs> <We> <laughs> from did. San Francisco Bay Area uh, <laughs> in California. You now live in Spain, south of Barcelona, in the mm-hmm. Priorat area. And you okay. are the mom of three kids. Yeah, your husband's from Barcelona, so I guess that explains uh, why you're in Barcelona. Why? You are a dual MBA, MIM, Master's in Business Admin, and Master's in International Management, and you specialize in Marketing and Corporate Events Management. Uh, you're a certified sommelier, WSET, or Diploma Graduate, and a Wine Académica. And you're, of course, most importantly to us, you're a member of the VIA community. So, uh, oh, and a climate change activist. Okay, so I'm going to um, say hello now to Caterina. Are you there? Yes. Hi, how are you? <laughs> great. Hey, thank you. Everything's great. So before we get started, I just wanted to make sure that I could hear you. <laughs> uh, yes, before we get started, Joan, why did you choose Katerina uh, and her winery? Sartarelli.
1: Oh, well, I chose uh, Sartarelli Winery and Caterina to interview uh, due to their eye on respecting nature through their viticultural practice and their family traditions. Um, This year is their 50th anniversary and it is dedicated uh, to their grandmother with her name and story uh, on a new wine.
0: Awesome. And um, can you tell me what you would like the audience to take away from this conversation, the learning points?
1: Sure. Um, My my learning objectives are the following. Um, Firstly, to help the audience better understand Italy's verdicchio production. Um, Secondly, to understand the Sartarelli winery's history, tradition, and innovation based upon their care, future, love, and respect for viticulture. And thirdly, to understand how the Sartarelli family winery differentiates and distinguishes its viticulture of Verdicchio vineyards. Cool. All right. So that's uh, that's awesome. I'm
0: going to uh, mute myself uh, in a, a, a moment, and uh, then at the end of the conversation, um, hopefully there will be some questions. Um, but um, I'll come back and and figure that out. So go ahead, Joan, take it away.
1: Okay, great. Well, I discovered the Sarterele winery while I was traveling last summer with um, wine colleagues through Croatia, and we covered over to the Marque. Um, And I I just wanted to mention the Verdicchio vineyards of the Castillos de Yesi are in the province of Ancona within the Marque region of central eastern Italy along the Adriatic Sea and um, it's absolutely stunning, beautiful. The numerous hilltop villages have their own medieval fortresses and look like beautiful balconies, offering breathtaking views of the stunning landscape. And the river valley cuts through limestone, as well as cooling sea breezes blowing up the valleys uh, from the coast, which gives the Verdicchio vineyards very good acidity and structure for lengthy aging. And the Verdicchio di Castellariesi is also referred to as the White Barolo because of its complexity, its delicacy, its longevity, and high quality. So the wines of Sartarelli Winery are world-class. They're beautifully aromatic, fresh when young, yet also capable of developing over many years in a bottle. So I would love to introduce to all of you uh, Caterina Chiacchiarini Sarterelli. Um <laughs> Unfortunately, her father, Patricio, had something come up, and he can't be with us this evening, but Katerina um, is ready to go. So I'll just give you a little bit of her biography to let you know who she is. Uh, Katerina studied at the Betriebswirtschaftslehre. hope I said that well, B W L in economics in, um, in the German language at the Ludwig Maximilians Universität in München, Germany. Uh, She traveled to Ireland and England every summer um, since she was 14 years old. And she speaks Italian, English, French, and German, as well as some Norwegian. She has worked in human resources in München at the Italian petrol company, and also four years in New York at the Mediterranean Shipping in Traffic and other departments. Um, She has also worked as a translator and interpreter. And then she joined the Sarterelli team in 2011 and works in export and marketing. Caterina loves the wine business, the wine world, and the people in the wine environment. Welcome, Caterina. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for having me, really. Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. Well, if we, I guess we should get going. We have a lot of questions here for you. Um, <laughs> uh, so why don't we just take off with uh, our first question, Um Let's see. With three generations of wine growing in your family history, uh, Katerina, please tell us how it all began. Uh, First of all, thank you very much. Just briefly, I would like to say hi to everyone. uh, Okay, super. Thank
2: you again for having me and Thanks to John, to Leica, Joy, and Stevie, and of course, like my father was not here, but he says hi to everyone. So, like on behalf of him, my family, and the Sutter team, thank you very much again for having me. We're really exactly. proud to be here. So, everything back to your question. Everything started uh, back in uh, 1972. That's actually the year when the winery was founded. But let's say that even before that official date, um, there was something going on. That means. Um, that was really our uh, my grandfather's uh, passion to make wine. So back in the 50s, actually, after the Second World War, he decided to go to Argentina to invest his money over there because he wanted to make wine. But then his future in laws told him not to go uh, because otherwise he would have never married his future wife. That's what really mm. happened, so he didn't go and stayed. So he had a bakery, a patisserie, and he had other factories. He always always been uh, a man ahead of his times. But he really had this big passion for wines. So what he decided to do back in 1972 was to um, start this new business, this winery, and uh, which was really like uh, for him like a side business, a big passion, a hobby. And that's when my father, actually his um, son-in-law, joined him back in 1976, and they started to help each other and to grow the business together, sharing the dream actually of making the Dicco a very well-known variety because back at the time you know vedicchio was not very well known was more kind of undervalued and then mm-hmm. in 1990 at our grandfather's death that's when actually our uh, when our parents donatello and patrizio decided to leave everything uh, in order to dedicate themselves actually full time to this business uh, which then became of course with the passing of time the main business And um, so our father is actually convinced, was and still is, and so we are actually that following the path of our grandfather, so his father in law, would have been the right thing to do. And so that's what we did actually, always focusing on on, uh, the DQ. And then my brother Tomas and I, we both joined the team back in 2011. Mia had already started, uh, I mean, finished my experiences and so on. And nice. But the philosophy is always the same, one of our grandfather first and then of our parents, so same passion, we will continue to follow the same path, of course. And uh, it's quite nice, actually, because we started uh, at that time with uh, 12 hectares and now today we have like 55 hectares, which is about um, 135 acres. And it's interesting because we have five different wines, all of them made out of uh, verdicchio. And yeah, so that's uh, how we started. And today we have a very good and skilled team that we are very proud of, made up of very good co-workers. And commitment is, and the constant dedication are two very important words for us, of
1: course. Okay, that's that's wonderful how this all began with your family and the tradition. Um, Katerina? Can you tell us about the landscape of the Marque region and the geography and terroir of your specific vineyards in Castella di Yesi? Uh,
2: Yes, of course. Um, let's say, uh, especially, actually, let me start in this way. Especially for all those people who have never been to the region or maybe like for the ones, uh, you know, like that we, we don't see each other. We don't have pictures or videos to show. It's not a video call. So of course it's like different to and uh, to explain. So. Let me try to explain this way. Like, have you ever thought of um, how it would feel to be in the hills, uh, in the middle of a beautiful sunflower field, sitting under an olive tree, surrounded by vineyards with a wonderful view of the sea and the mountains in the distance waiting for you to go hiking? So like, I'm asking you that actually, because if you visualize this, uh, it's actually you're visualizing our, you can see our region. This is really how our region is made.
1: Beautiful. And
2: um, yeah, and it's really like a beautiful, I mean, you were there, John, and it's really like yes, a beautiful, it's gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. beautiful region, like definitely not very well known. It's uh, where we are exactly like um, in the region of Castelli di Yesi, it's like a hilly area with all this gentle uh, rolling hills. And exactly the Marca region is uh, this tiny region in um, central Italy to just a half a million people live there. So it's still very small. And in this scenario, actually, Verdicchio has always been a very, very important um, vine of our region because Verdicchio is one of the most ancient Italian vine varieties and it is considered an indigenous one because it can be planted and cultivated all in this area. Let's say that potentially, actually, it could grow everywhere, it could grow in any other region, but here there are the perfect microclimate conditions, soil conditions and even the sun exposures uh, thanks to which the vine variety can find the, the ideal conditions and, and grow in such a way that it can develop those particular characteristics, characteristics, thanks to which then it can be recognized as Verdicchio as such worldwide. And Verdicchio is quite interesting, if you just allow me to um, explain why it is called Verdicchio. Uh, Verdicchio, because it comes from verde, which means green in Italian, and mm-hmm. it's called green actually for two reasons. First of all, because um, the grapes, uh, during the ripening process, um, they always uh, stay a little bit greenish. And also because in the wine, in the glass of wine, you have this greenish nuances, which is which are typical of Verdicchio. Mm-hmm. And second, which is also very important, because Verdicchio is a kind of um, vine which actually is very flourishing. Like until the fourth row, actually, uh, it, it's not fertile. That's why it's a vine which really grows very high. But if you just let it grow, it would just uh, be so flourish and cover the entire land. That's why it's called Vedicchio, because it's, um, yeah, it, it really comes from Verde Green. And, of course, it's called Of the Castles of Yezi because as exactly you were saying, on each hill used to stand, uh, still stands nowadays, a castle from the Middle Age. We call them castle, but uh, castles, but they are actually walled cities, like uh, with proper, uh, I mean, with thousands of people living in. And in the Middle yeah. Age, all these castles were conquered by uh, the, the castle, which then became the main one called uh, Yezi. Mm-hmm. And uh, the vineyards, actually, in our era, the soil is mostly made of um, clay, sand, and silt. But then, of course, depending on where you are, depending on the exposure of the vineyard, depending on how close the vineyard is to the to the seaside or not, because we should not forget that we do have a bigger influence by the winds coming from the sea because we're about 20 kilometers, 25 kilometers, like uh, from uh, from the sea. It, like, Of course, the like, composure of the soil can change. Uh, but we are actually, as Satsarelli, our vineyards are in the hills at an average altitude of about um, from 820 to 1149 feet mm-hmm. above the sea level. And we are exactly right in the middle between the upper nines, so the mountain chain on the back and the Adriatic mm-hmm. Sea. And this Correct. is really very important uh, because um, yeah, it, it's it, it's a kind of shattered era. and especially in this particular moment with climate change, it's really very important to be there.
1: It oh, has. wonderful! Yes, it is a it's a stunning area, and um, the wines as well are, are fabulous. Um, a great area for enoturismo, wine wine tourism as well. Um, so, Caterina, uh, the Sartorelli Winery, or your family as vit- viticulturists, tell us how the, you differentiate and distinguish the quality of your grapes from other competitors in the market. <laughs> That's a
2: good question, actually, a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say, uh, let me answer you maybe with one of the words, uh, which, is, which are very important for us and on which our philosophy is based, which is uh, care. Okay. care is really fundamental for the vineyards uh, we treat the vineyards and the grapes uh, the best we can of course and uh, we take very good care of them and we always done also, of course also in the past like following the philosophy of our, of our father which is actually the wine is made in the vineyards which is absolutely true because everything <laughs> agrees from there correct and um actually um Something very interesting, also what we do in order to differentiate ourselves is uh, we do have our own vine nursery. Like uh, at that time, actually, when all this started, this project started, I was not even born, and we really never <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> exactly. But then, like, but then, like uh, seven, eight years ago, we started to talk about that because when uh, the one that started the winery, my my grandfather started, he already had like a very old vineyard. And so then when my father joined him, they had this idea to do the vine selection. So every time we replanted a new vineyard, got a new uh, piece of land, or planted a vineyard, we always used our own vines. So over the years, we selected like uh, something like 32 clones. And now we have planted all of them in a proper vineyard, like an vine nursery that we call actually the perfect vineyard. For one reason, because there are the perfect conditions. And in that vineyard, really, it's like it's, like it, it, it's gorgeous because the location where it's what it, it is, actually it's like an amphitheater in the middle of the hills and moreover mm-hmm. because it's really like uh, we, we have all these clones over there. And it's very interesting because actually if you go nowadays to a vine grower and you get uh, you want to plant a vidiccchi, Vineyard, actually, you will get from three to four clones, no more than that. Instead, we have like thirty two, so of course it's it's good. And another thing which is also very interesting is um, w- we did all that because we are just producers. We produce oliveicul, so we wanted mm-hmm. of course so, and we wanted to, and we need to needed to differentiate ourselves from from the others in general, from the rest. So our purpose was to give like more aromatic nuances, more complexity to the wines and to enhance, of course, the characteristics which are typical of this um, vine variety or Verdicchio by intensifying them even more. And yet, of course, by maintaining the traditional taste. And um, moreover, we also use our own yeasts. Maybe that's something which not everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did actually, over the years, we selected from the skins of Balchana grapes. Balchana mm-hmm. is our late harvested wine, like our okay. premium wine. We right. selected actually uh, the, the yeast from the skins of uh, of the grapes. And so what we do now is 70% of the production is made by using natural yeast, like bread yeast, and 30% of the production is made by using uh, Balchana yeast. And um, yeah, so when as I was uh, answering you with the with the word care, maybe it's good if I mention then all the words on which our philosophy is based, which are of course like love, love for the land, respect, care, tradition, and future. So yeah,
1: oh that's that's wonderful. That's a a nice philosophy to maintain throughout um, your traditions as a family and viticulturist. And those other curiosities are very interesting as well about the the yeast. Um, Let's see. uh, In terms of sustainability now, Caterina, please explain to the listeners the introduction of Sarterele Zero. Yeah, uh,
2: Sarterele Zero, exactly. Um, Sarterele Zero actually is a project on which we have been working. I mean, this project we have been working on since 2013. Then we decided to present it in April. 2020 uh, at the beginning of that month you know we were completely in lockdown in Italy and the entire world was going to be in lockdown because of COVID and frankly speaking we used that moment to present it because it was just a perfect moment to and to let the people understand how big how how important it is to protect our own land our world and the entire earth of course. Um, So in 2020 2020, yes. we let it certify and we got the name dot zero. Dot zero means that zero are the residual chemicals that we have both on the grapes and in the wines. So what we do actually is um, we don't treat the the vineyards like with phytopharmaceutical products, but what we do instead is like we treat the vineyards with uh, resistance inducers. So what we do is like when the grapes begin to sprout, we just use resistance inducers, which are advanced uh, technical products and natural extracts, and they are the result of a very long, accurate research process. So during this phase, actually, we we spray the vines with the with the resistance inducers, that they actually they um, they contain herbs, algae, and other elements. For instance, like uh, orange skins, and all yeah, just- these elements. Yeah, Mm -hmm. all these elements, actually, they have uh, the purpose of simulating a disease attack. And the result, of course, is that we simulate this attack and the vines actually, they think they're going to be attacked, really. So they start protecting themselves by themselves without any need of external help. And it would be actually like a natural vaccine.
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay, I understand. And
2: and what is really nice and interesting uh, behind this philosophy is that we don't really treat the vines but we train the vines to protect themselves because we consider the vine as a living being which is actually like a human being it's really a living being with a genetic memory which is absolutely uh if if it's stimulated it's absolutely possible for for the vine to protect itself and i think it's very interesting because it really like in a very different uh, way of thinking that the concept of uh, land, man and vine. So um, and and, and the immune system of the vine itself, of course, improves, uh, improves too. So but all this actually has been possible. And here we go back to uh, to the fact that we're talking about the care, you know, the wine is made in the vineyards and so on. Because all this is possible, of course, because the vineyards over the years have always been very well treated. Like, you cannot start from one day to the other to say, okay, now we do, buy, we use the resistance inducers, it's gonna work. Not really. There is. It's a very long process. And every year, then, uh, we got the certification by Rina Agroco exactly because they usually come December to the winery right before Christmas. They uh, test every single tank and they make sure that they want to make sure of course they want to have the proof that it's uh, dot zero the residual chemicals are zero so of course it's uh, very challenging but it's it's very important as well to have it and especially for the uh, consumer uh care. and it's uh, i mean for the consumer health
1: of course yeah that's very uh it's very challenging, but it's very forward thinking on how ha- behalf of sarterelli winery and um it's it's also preventative care you know for the future so that's nice to hear about um the sarterelli dot zero uh, Catalina, we have a question from Jing. would you mind answering uh, the question off the floor please yeah i can I can do it now or yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um let's I, I don't see the question. Um let's see here. Laika, do you want to just have him say the question out loud?
0: All right. Sure. Go ahead. Um I'm going Okay. Yeah. So her question is about resistant spray. Um do you produce it yourself or do you have a provider for it?
2: That's a very good question actually. We have a provider for that. And thanks for the question. What is the name again of the lady? Uh friend? her
0: name is Jing Wang.
2: In one. All right. (laughs) Thank you very much for it. It's really a very good question. Uh, No, we actually, we don't produce them by ourselves, but it's a company uh, with which we work. And it's our agronomist that he is a very um, dedicated uh, university teacher to this process. And he's the one who introduced us to this project and which we strongly believed in. Uh, So it's a company which makes them and they are usually like uh, uh, all elements from all around the world. I mean, we need to simulate the, the vine to protect itself by any, uh, from any, any kind of sickness. So uh, the, the elements actually that you also find in these resistance inducers, they come from uh, the primary goods, let's say like that, which come from our region, but also internationally from other countries, of course. I mean, it's, uh, but it's a company, yes, which makes them for us and with which we work, yeah.
1: Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for answering that question and for asking the question. Um, okay, so let's see here, um, Katarina. What would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? <laughs> so, so, I was thinking, like <laughs> a good question because
2: actually, um, let's look at if I think two parts. If my father were was here and uh, he answered the question, he would have said, of course, which I strongly believe. Like when people come to the one way, we let them live okay. an experience to see the reaction. Uh, in their eyes whenever they taste the wines and especially you know for the producer really like my father my brother to be there and see the reaction in their eyes that the really of people who really enjoy the wines love the wines and love the vineyards love going around and really living this experience I think it's nice. just yes. wonderful Um if you really ask me actually <laughs> I think what is. uh Very nice is to have the awareness and the consciousness that uh, through our wines, actually, we can make um, moments of people uh, like precious and unforgettable, And that makes me very proud. And it doesn't have to do really anything with branding or like remembering the brand or the label, not at all like the bottle. No, it's not like that. It's something beyond that, like above that. I think it's really very wonderful. I mean, to think that you can make Um, special someone else's moments it can either be like a family party or like a party for you know a son graduating at university or welcoming a new baby or welcoming some someone back home or um, just thinking that you are there with them that through your work because maybe you know the wine is very good and then you were able through your partner to send the wine to the specific shop in the U.S. or it can either be in New York or in Connecticut or like on the West Coast in in, in Washington State or in it Japan. And you think that someone goes to the shop and asks the consultant, you know, would you mind to give me a good wine for my party? And then that consultant says, OK, you can grab like a bottle of Sartorelli wine. and another <laughs> Perfect. One. That's something I think which really makes me proud, especially because, you know, wine is... is uh, of course, economically speaking, we have to call it like a commodity, but wine is something more. Wine is a prédunion, it's really like an element which unites people. Uh, you see, like um, anywhere around the world, whenever you have a meeting, you have a topic to discuss, or you also just have an argument with someone, at the end of that, you just say, you know, let's go and, and let's uh, get a glass of wine. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean, actually, because really like wine is able to unite people. And what's really interesting, it's able to unite people from all different cultures, different places, different ages. You see, also right now with uh, wine, with the zero alcohol content. You know, really, wine is something which can uh, unify everyone and everything. So I think it's uh, related to to the fact that it's uh, the power of wine.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Well, thank you. That was a wonderful answer, and and that's very rewarding to hear that rewarding part of your job Um, and what what it all comes down to is people enjoying wine and uniting together um that's that's very nice um so let's see here next question i have is for you to please describe your best-selling wines on the local national and international markets and can you talk to us about the ethel cafe as well
2: yeah um so, as you know, we have five wines, and now we have a sixth one, mm-hmm. because exactly it's our 50th anniversary, so we introduced, like these, as you were saying, the news, new wine, uh, let's say three of our wines, which are really the ones uh, which are part of our core production, and which are very good um, key wines and selling wines, actually, a little bit everywhere, which are like Setterelli Classico, Pralivia, and uh, Balciana. Then, depending, of course, on the taste, depending on, on many different situations, like uh, like Satelli Classico, which is a basic wine, of course, like, um, which is the most representative wine that we have. It's a typical expression, the Dicchio is a very immediate wine, very easy to drink, very versatile. And, and it's also very approachable, actually. And um, this is just the result of the, the of the harvest that we carry out in our youngest vineyards. And this mm-hmm. wine, for instance, goes very well, like, uh, especially in the U.S., in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and Japan, it's a very good wine because it's very okay. immediate, it's very there. Then we have, for instance, like Trilivio, which is the result of the selection of the best grapes that we carry out in our oldest vineyards, but also the best ones. And uh, Trilivio comes from Latin, you know, like it's typical to have in Italy, the wines called after the name of the areas where the grapes for sure. that wine come from. Uh, so it means in between the olive trees. And Trilivio comes exactly, the oldest vineyard is exactly located in this area called Trelivio, 50 years old. And that wine, for instance, goes very well like um, in um, in Norway, like in Ireland, in some European countries in Italy, but also in the states, in particular states of, of the US, like Texas, Florida, um, or like on the East Coast of uh, Canada. So, yeah. And then uh, Balciano, which is actually our proud trademark, because if we are here today as a winery, as Sattarelli, we really must uh, say thank you to Balciana, because Balciana is the wine which changed a little bit our story, of course, but also, I think, the story of the DQ in, uh, in general. And uh, because Balciana is, is a wine which got a very important award back in 1999 with the 1997 vintage, and it was at the International Wine Challenge in London, and it got both the Italian Wild Wine Trophy and the White Wine Trophy. Uh, which is, uh, at that time, it, it would be like the best white wine of the world. And it was really important for us, both for the entire regional area, because actually it was the first time that Verdicchio hit the international scene. And this wine, Balciana, is very well known. Sometimes I must say that Balciana is even more well known than uh, Sattarelli itself. Like, you know, Balciana seems to be like, uh, you know, Sattarelli and then Balciana. Like, it, it's quite interesting also how I developed all that. And... Uh, yeah, so th- I think like these are the three wines that we that we focus um, mostly on, and then of course there is a sparkly wine. And each one of them has very different characteristics. I think also it's very interesting about our production is that it's all made of varietal, hundred percent varietal. Same making process for all the wines, stainless steel tanks, and yet just because all the vineyards are made of smaller pairs of smaller plots, different exposures to the sun, we can make totally different wines in between each other. And so it's really interesting also to see how versatile this vine variety can be and how versatile Verdicchio can be. So even if, as I was saying before at the very beginning, like Verdicchio was definitely an undervalued uh, vine variety, especially in the beginning, then with the passing of time things have changed. Is, um has so many characteristics which are not very well known and which are just great. When you were talking about ethyl caffeine, for instance, uh, you know, like there was a very important uh, research and analysis which was carried out um, a few years ago. It was 2003 by the uh, Department of uh, Nutrition Sciences in uh, at the University in Ancona, and they found out actually that in uh, verdicchio there is a very high concentration of ethyl caffeate. Ethyl caffeate is an active ingredient which has amazing uh, natural phen- phenolic antioxidant uh, properties, and ethyl caffeate is actually able to Prevent any kind of liver disease or, like, for instance, hepatic fibrosis, and yeah. that means actually. And moreover, what is very important to say is that you can find ethyl it's usually in red wines, but not in white wine. So the only white wine worldwide where you can find ethyl cafeate in is exactly Vedicchio. So that means actually, if you, you know, use Vedicchio, if you drink Vedicchio during the day, and it's part of your uh, daily diet, uh, of course, is a guarantee for, for good health. And uh, we know also that for sure, thick caffeine is also able to slow down the aging process of our cells, besides uh, resveratrol. And uh, so that means also if you make good use of thick caffeine, always, of course, in a moderate way, because you know, balance, as the Latins used to say, medius so balance, it means that you have. A, long, a longer life expectancy. And if you consider that the Marca region is, uh, together with Sardinia nearly Italy, uh, between, among the regions which have the longest life expectancy, expectancy. and if you think that uh, Italy is the, the country of Europe with the longest life expectancy, it goes by itself. that so If you drink a viticule, you must stay in a moderate way, moderate way, you must stay
1: young and healthy, of course. <laughs> getting back to when you were talking about Verdicchio as one of the oldest native grapes, Um, you know, the autochthonous grapes in in Italy, um, that's very important as well that they're, You know, I mean, I think coming up with climate change and having this direction going with the native grapes as well says a lot. So really interesting. Thank you for that answer. Thank you. Sorry that I lost you really. (laughs) That's okay. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So, uh, let's see here, Katharina, how about now let's talk a little bit about the museum and where did the idea of the museum come from and why? (laughs) Uh, That was my idea.
2: (laughs) Sorry. I don't don't (laughs) want to take
1: too much credit, but (laughs) it
2: was my idea. Because we started this construction work, so we wanted to do actually a, uh, we wanted to do a very nice um, shop and you know like a welcoming room for people when they, exactly when they come, especially because we want to welcome people to let like them even experience like our partners. And then that's why I had the idea of uh, having this uh, museum because I thought there were many. It was also important actually because. You know, we, we just make vedicchio as I was saying, and we wanted really to pay tribute to this variety to which we owe a lot. So that's, that's the one reason, of course, vedicchio has always been at the heart of our production. So we owe a lot of this extraordinary uh, vine variety. So that's why the idea of vedicchio But moreover, and uh, last but not least, actually, is that there were so many uh, false stories, which I also thought they were true. But which were not really, about Verdicchio. So this is why then the idea of uh, having uh, this museum called Inverdicchio Veritas. And it's called Inverdicchio Veritas not because we wanted to copy the famous sentence uh, quote by the Latins, um, by the Romans, right. you know, like Inverdicchio Veritas,
1: right, but, right. Just, yeah,
2: but just to say that we really uh, found out the truth of Dicchio. And we're very happy because who helped us on all this and who strongly believed in this project is uh, Professor Ceccarelli, that, Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago, and he used to be the most important um, and valuable historian of our region. He wrote so many books about the market region traditions and about the So, for instance, one of the many stories, uh, which was false actually, was about the king, uh, King Alaric. Like mm-hmm. there was a sack of Rome back in um, four hundred ten uh, Anno Domini, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the sack of Rome, actually, he came to the market region to get, uh, that's what you can find proofs in the books, actually, that he came to the market region to get a white wine uh, because it was to uh, give power back, strength back to the troops. It's true, he came here, he got a white wine, but from there to say that it was Vedicchio it's quite, uh, it's, it's not correct because no one knows if it was Vedicchio at that time. For sure, there was white wine made in the region. For sure, during the Middle Age. we had the monks, of course, who used to make a lot of uh, mm-hmm. wines in in the monasteries. So that's that's absolutely uh, true. But we don't know we don't know really if it was uh, Vedio. What we can okay. say actually, and that's what we found out that the first time that uh, Vedio was um, was mentioned in a book was in uh, fifteen fifty seven. And it was in a translation of a Spanish essay about agriculture, which is Libro de Agricultura. Okay. It was written by, by Mambrino. So it was the first okay. time they really uh, talked about verdicchio as a vine variety and recognized as uh, as such. And then okay. um, what well, we found out, for instance, that there is for sure a genetic similarity to Trebiano di Suave. Mm-hmm. Because our region was hit by, by a very bad plague back in 1440. In the fifteenth century, so in 14, uh, 1470, 1470, what happened is uh, the community Yezi they invited the Longobards, so from Lombardy and Veneto, to come and repopulate the area. And in order to convince them to do that, of course, they gave them land for free because you know whatever population was gone, they were, most of the people had already died. So they came, they repopulated the area. And that's when there was this exchange uh, between Trebbiano di Suave and Verdicchio.
1: Okay. There were many,
2: many theories, but uh, most probably it was Vedicchio that from here was brought to that era by the Longobars. Uh, and really, there were proofs, there were researches done. So genetically speaking, they are the same. They're really, very close to each other. Uh, but then it's very interesting to see how two different vines, like um, being cultivated in different areas, different microclimate conditions, different soils, and then they developed in such a different way that we now have two indigenous vines, but like in very different areas. So that's that, that's quite interesting. That's what we found out.
1: Okay, wonderful. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Okay, um, here we're, let me let me move on to uh, another question, please. Uh, and this is a fantastic. I can't wait to hear this story. Uh, this year is Sutterelle's fiftieth anniversary. What do you have planned? Yeah, this
2: is our fruit and the rest <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, what we planned this year, uh, first of all, we did a uh, new wine. Um, mm-hmm. So we have this exceptional new wine called Milleta. It's actually a, a reserva wine, so something in the middle between Rio okay. and Bacciano and nice. uh, what well, we yeah and it's what well, we did actually this year is we invited like in different groups like uh, our partners from different countries that came to visit us and that's what we like to continue to do also next next year and uh, i think they, they like my family steve would like to do something in december like about me later to talk more about this one like something surprise which i'm not sure where oh,
1: but okay
2: <laughs> it's gonna be a surprise for me as well i think and uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so, so the, the wine itself, actually, Mileta for me is just, um, yeah, it, it, it has a very big profound meaning because actually Mileta was exactly my grandmother. So my uh, grandmother, grandfather's um, wife, of course. And mm-hmm. uh, anytime that you read the story about Sattarelli, you always find the name uh, Matilde. You never find the name Mileta. Why? Okay. Because her name was Matilde, but then mm-hmm. she was actually... Um, in the family like she had a nickname which was Mileta. There was like a very sad story behind that but anyway she was called after the name of one of her aunts who had an accident so like as a tribute to her like they called her Matilda but then they now make it to call her Matilda in the family so that's when they started to call her Mileta and that was the nickname in the family so I thought it was important to give the identity back to my Grandmother, who was really like a key figure in the family and uh, like an exceptional woman, really like um, yeah, really wonderful woman. So that's why and it's the first time that we have a name uh, of the wine called after. I mean, the wine called after the name of someone in the family. But I really thought it was important, especially because I love numbers. As you can think, of course, I Yeah, okay. Caterina is eight, eight letters my father Patrizio is eight letters and uh, classical in Balciana they all are, have eight letters so Mileta was just perfect and plus anywhere around the world you can say correctly like Mileta is easy and it sounds very good, it's very sweet and it's like an astonishing wine as well and uh, yeah so that's that's uh, we, didn't, we wanted to plan actually also like a big party but because of Covid we're not 100% sure and then Yeah, so we said, okay, we do like small parties, smaller
1: parties. That's what we do, yeah. Oh, that's thank you. That's a wonderful story and a a beautiful name, Mileta, and uh, that really came full circle um, by celebrating her on the 50th anniversary. That's very nice. Um, Okay, moving on, Caterina, I'm uh, coming to a question on climate change here. Um, What are some of your deeper concerns of today's climate change for your winery? And are you taking a proactive or reactive approach?
2: Actually, uh, that's a very good and actual question. We actually take a proactive approach. You cannot have a reactive approach because it would just be too late. Correct. Uh, So what we do actually, um, um, three things, three different stories. First of all, like on older vines, when we have like older vines, like the already existing uh, vines, we use a drag harrow, like this special tool, which is used to, that we use actually for breaking up and smoothing out the surface of the soil. Okay. And it goes down actually to 9.50 inches. And mm-hmm. for instance, we're already done okay. now. I mean, just finished the harvest, we are already done it. And okay. it's actually a machine which breaks the surface of the soil. And it's important because whenever it rains, actually, what it happens is that the rain can really go through into the soil. And, uh, you know, when, when it's too dry, then if it rains and then the water would just be going away. Instead, in this way, the water really goes into the soil. And uh, so like the soil is ready to get all the water without uh, wasting any single drop. Okay, And that's very important because the, the problem with the climate change is the lack of water. So many yes. people ask us, of course, like, are you able to water in the vineyards? No, we're not, because it's not possible. It's not allowed. Because if people miss water for drinking, of course, you can think that it goes by itself. We cannot use water for You know, um, for for the vineyards, of course, we must find other ways. Mm -hmm. Another way also for uh, the new vines, actually, what we do is like whenever we plant the vines, um, we do have, um, we must have the roots going deeper in the soil. So we go down actually with longer root socks. And um, in this way, like the roots have a much higher chance to find uh, water in the soil. And of course, depending on the vineyards, we use different rootstocks. For instance, we have one vineyard, Balchana vineyard, uh, the late harvest wine, which has a very, very good water reserve. So no matter what, of course, we don't need special rootstocks to bring the roots down, to go deep down, because it's already good water reserve. There are other vineyards where we have to have uh, American rootstocks, but also other rootstocks, depending on the condition of the soil, to have the roots going down exactly to find... Water, especially in summer, when in, when they there would be a lack of water, of, uh, water. when there is the drought, as we had last summer, for for sure, for instance. Oh yeah, definitely. And moreover, also what we do actually, it's it's not the best, but we have to, we have to prevent also the vines, just in case they don't really make it with the roots to to find the water, is uh, to um, trim to limit a little bit the production per each vine, so to okay. have a lot of control. Uh, you know, our purpose is always to have, of course, a very good quality, but also a good amount on the vines, which is possible. But right. we have to take it. I mean, to to really have it under control. An exception that my my father keeps saying that all the time is true. Actually, that's a very good curiosity. The exception is our fifty years old year old uh, vine um, vineyard, the one of Trelevio, which is really fifty years old, as old as the winery. It's still, the olive vineyard, which has caused us. I mean, no, no vineyard causes causes us problems. Let's say that the, the lack of water has caused no problems to this vineyard. It's still the most productive one, the most beautiful vineyard we have. And there is also like a little earth side on this vineyard, but we cannot touch it. We must stay like that because it's quite an exception. So. Oh, that,
1: yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. The old vines are like the old men on the hill. They can go the distance. They can withstand time. That's and with the waters. That, that sounds like uh, that's what's happening there with your old vineyards. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's see. I have one more question if we have time. Um, and that is, what for you is the most important factor needed to maintain a successful family winery? <laughs> I'm <won't> also <laughs> asking myself again. <laughs> um, I think is
2: um, to have respect of the tradition of who came before you, of the work which was done in this case for me, for sure, for my brother, uh, by my grandfather and by my father, who's still young and in business, of course. But to have the respect for the land, for the tradition, and yet to be able to look into the future, still respecting tradition. Uh, Try to be innovative, to to think, to have new ideas and... um, and of course, I think like um, to understand also the characteristics uh, like in a regular, in any other company to to understand characteristics of each uh, member of the team, to enhance their characteristics in order to have, you know, everyone work together for the same purpose, to respect actually the passion of, the, of everyone and the human dignity. And um, I think it's much more than just work. It really, it's about passion, it's about commitment, it's about love, what you do. And, um, but of course, family business, you know, ideally it, 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 it's wonderful, but it's not like in a movie, it's also reality. So sometimes it can also be, you know, I'm very frank, open person. It can also be hard because it's your family. So sometimes you don't have to take it too personal, you must really be able in your brain to divide the two things. So it's really wonderful. But, you know, there are also days which might be uh, difficult. So I think it's quite, it's very nice, but it's also challenging sometimes. Um. So the, the the most important factor behind that is, anyway, passion and love and respect. Yeah, I think these are oh. the three elements which are the most important ones.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Those are the elements that you've been carrying through this whole interview. And I really appreciate you, you know, your coherency here. And you can see that within your family. Um, because sometimes it's not always, always the case where, you know, the family members will want to continue on in the family business or the family winery. So um, it sounds like you've just all been, you know, raised in a very special way and, and are keeping these traditions going. That's really what draw me to this interview and, and your family. So congratulations. And um, if we have some more questions from the floor, I think we could bring them up now, Laika, possibly, or Joy?
0: Hold a second, Oner's question. Um, So he was asking, uh,
1: his question is, Um, Veritikio
0: wines can go wrong so easily. He's curious about your wine, uh, whether it has sufficient acidity and freshness. So I guess that's it. Do you want to answer Okay. Okay. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you mean, uh, should I answer it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they. Sure. Um, our wines have, yeah, like they, they have like a very good acidity and uh, the alcohol content is always very high. We usually start from thirteen percent. And exactly as I was saying, like in the in the past, of course, not um the was not very well known as a quality wine, but I think also with the passing of time, like producers in our region realized really how precious they can be, how versatile this vine variety can be, and how much good potential this wine variety can have. Um uh, so yes, definitely our wines um have this freshness, um, uh, but there is a very interesting something to say about um, our wines and radicchio wines in general is that they really have very good aging capacity as well and I'm pointing out all the fact of that they have very good aging capacity because recently like last month we released in a couple of states like um, of, of countries uh, older vintages of Trelivio. Uh, we are talking about 2011, 2012, 2013 and it was a great success session. It still is because we noticed that this wine and like other wines, for sure in general, like they don't—I um, mean, of our production—they don't lose the freshness. Also, when they develop, they age. They still keep this kind of freshness, which is kind quite, uh, quite astonishing. Uh, so I think actually um, the, the good quality of a wine you can really see like in in. Uh, couple of years, like in a good amount of, of years from 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 now. And definitely, yeah, the DQ has a very good aging capacity. And yeah. yeah. I hope I answered the question.
1: <laughs> Any other questions?
0: I guess that's it. So yeah, thanks. Um, so I just wanted to uh, say something, though, before we end. Laika, what is our next clubhouse? All right, so our next clubhouse is going to be on the 3rd of November. Um, That's going to be at 6 p.m. Italian time zone. Um, That's Kevin De Lucente. Um, You will be interviewing Pierluigi Travaglini uh, from Tenute Marta Rosa. So see you there um, for those who are free. Thank you. Perfect! Oh my gosh! Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody for uh, coming on to Clubhouse, Joan. Thank you for yes. interviewing Katerina. Okay. Thank you so much for your thank time, you and, and um, it was a wonderful interview. And um, okay, I, I wish I wish you both a wonderful weekend as well.
1: Thank you very much, and to you too. Happy Halloween. Oh Jazz. my gosh, i
0: forgot about that. Yes, happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah,
1: ciao, <Good job>,
0: everyone. <laughs> bye. Okay, Thank you bye so bye. much Thank indeed. You. Thank you. Have Thank a good you. weekend. Bye Thank bye. you all. Bye. Bye. bye.